1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 through 49. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did, now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to the condemnation, but God's free gift leads us to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Would you stand with me this morning? We um, are in our fourth week of Advent, and we are in this series that's titled, He Shall Be Called. And what we are looking at is names that Jesus had and that he lived out in a unique way. And so what we've been doing in this series, both last year and then also in this year, is looking at these different names, discovering what they mean, and seeing how Jesus perfectly lived it out. Today, we're going to look at how Jesus is the last Adam. And what we're seeing here is that the Apostle Paul is, he's playing on two different roles. He's looking at the first Adam, Adam and Eve, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's looking at what they contributed. And he's looking at the difference in that those who find themselves in each one. So my heart and prayer today is that as we dive into this, that the gospel will come alive to you once again today like never before. That we would realize what we truly have in Christ. So would you join me in praying? Father, we come before you. Lord, as we approach your word, we do so knowing that it's living, that it's powerful, that it's mighty. And God, we ask that you would take your word and help it to shape and to mold our lives, Jesus. That everything we do, everything we think, everything that we say, that Lord, it would shape that in us. And I pray that today the very truth of your word would get to the very core of our hearts that we would be different people because we have heard from you today. Lord, I pray that we would place our faith, our hope, our trust in Jesus, the last Adam. 
who has paid the debt that we have owed and that in him we can have life eternal. It's in your mighty and most holy name we pray. Because I want to start this morning by us wrapping our mind around the concept of contribution. We need to understand contribution. Now, the definition of contribution is this. It's a gift or payment that goes to a common fund or to a collection or the part that is played by a person or thing in bringing about a result of helping something to advance or to grow. There's some key elements whenever you think about contribution. Um, It's an action that you take that is dedicated to something, right? It's a willful action that you have made. It's a result that comes, and then because of that decision, there's a result that happens because of that action. Very often, um, a part of something that directly impacts not just yourself, but like a community of people, right? When we think about contribution, there, there's a lot of different things that we can possibly wrap our mind around. Um, there, there's good contributions, and then there's bad contributions, right? You can be accessory to murder. That's not a good contribution, right? <laughs> not a contribution to that person or to society. You don't, you don't want to be a part of that. But there can also be other things, like maybe how many of you in this room played sports growing up, right? There's contributions in sports where you play a part in helping your team succeed towards a goal. Your actions were dedicated to a group of people trying to create a desired outcome. Think about football. In my mind, the greatest sport ever created. Um, <laughs> I love it because it's like a modern-day chess game. And every single person has a role to play, and everyone needs to play their specific role. And actually, I think in some ways, it's a lot like the kingdom of God. Like, you need to find what gifts that you have and then use them because not everybody has the same gifts, and that's okay. Like, imagine an NFL offensive lineman trying to play wide receiver. <laughs> These are guys that are like six foot six, 300 pounds, right? Not a good role for them. But at the same time, try imagine taking like your six foot one, 150 pound cornerback and putting him against an offensive lineman. These are men who are designed to fight you inside a phone booth, right? <laughs> like, they have a very unique and specific role. And so what we see from this, especially again with the analogy of sports, is every one of us, there's something that we are, we're putting into it to build something. Outcomes are often based on the contribution. And the reason I challenge us this morning to start thinking about that is because Paul is challenging us to consider two different people and their contributions, both Adam and Jesus. So let's take a moment and let's look at the contribution of Adam. This is what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. How many of you have ever been like, I wish I could hop in a time machine and go back and slap Adam and Eve? Anybody? Or is it just me? You're like, no, no. The, the funny thing is this, is that real, if we're being really honest with ourselves, like, you know, we're like, I can't believe they made that decision. Really? Did you see you on Tuesday? <laughs> like if, we're, if we're just being real, like, or maybe even this morning, right? Some of you are like, I'm just so holy. I'm such a great person. Really? Because I saw you driving on the road like a week ago, Right? <laughs> You know, when someone like cuts us off, we instantly, like our, our anger level rises, like we start to react and like um, there's that moment of like, you know, 
especially around the holidays. Um, a perfect example of this, me and my wife, we actually were in Florida just a, a couple months ago, and we took four Uber drivers, right? Four different Ubers to different places. And in all four, we almost were in a wreck. I'm not even joking you. It was insane. I will never drive in Florida. Those people are crazy, right? <laughs> like, it was, I, I, none of them were my Uber driver's fault. Like, we almost got, like, completely sideswiped three times, and he's just like, it's a normal day in Florida. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's just driving, and I'm just like, this place is insane. Like, they've got gators, snakes, and these drivers. Like, something is wrong here. But whenever we think about this, Right, we, we like to beat up on Adam and Eve and the contribution that they made to where we're at now, but you and I would have made the same choice. And not only would we have, we have. You see, the issue is this. Adam and Eve, it was not about the fact that they accidentally took a bite of an apple or whatever fruit it was. It was not an accident. See, sin by its very definition is its cosmic treason. It is saying, I don't want to be underneath your rule and authority, God. I want to be God of my life. I want to make the choices that I want to make. I don't want to be underneath you. I want to be you. When we think about that very first sin, it was rejection and rebellion of God himself, cosmic treason. And what we see instantly happen is Adam and Eve, they hide from his presence and what enters into the world because of that first sin is shame, pain, sickness, disease. The very first human, I want you to catch this. This is how great we are as people. You go from Adam and Eve's sin to the very first human being ever born. What sin did he commit? Murder. That's how quickly we took that first sin and spiraled down with it. You take Adam and Eve and their disobedience from God and the very first human ever born, Cain, commits murder and murders his own brother. What we see is this, is that the heirs of Adam, all of humanity, all of mankind, all who are human, we each one of us create our own wicked deeds. We don't rely on what was done before us. We create our own. There's certain things in your own past, there's things that you've done where you look back on it and you're like, I wish I could hit the rewind button. I wish I could go back to that moment. I wish I could relive it and do it differently. Every single one of us, and there's not a person in this room that stands here and is like, huh, I've got it made. I've never messed up. Because you're not Jesus. <laughs> right? No one in this room is not guilty of sin. Every person in this room is guilty of sin. And the outcome that they were promised was that sin would bring death. The New Testament says that the wages of sin is death. See, this is both physical and also possible eternal. Adam's sin brought into the world sickness and pain and shame and death. This was the contribution of the very first Adam to the human family. His contribution was wasted opportunity that led to the promise of death for everyone who would be born to him. Read with me what um, our Muncie campus pastor, Kevin Holt, wrote in our devotion this year. He says, they would be banished from the garden. They would survive only by the sweat of their brow, experience the curse of pain and sickness, and every member of the human family would ultimately die. Such was the contribution of the first Adam to the human family. 
What was his contribution? Wasted opportunity that led to the promise of death for all. So that was Adam's contribution, but what about humanity's contribution? We've kind of taken it and ran with it, haven't we? We've created every kind of sin under the sun. From Adam on, sin was different. It was increasing, it was growing in its nature, in its vileness, in its wickedness. You think of the atrocities and the things that have happened across this world that mankind, humanity has created, it's pretty extensive. Whether it's the Holocaust, whether it's the countless different wars, whether it's the subjugation of weak and oppressed people that like, you think about all that we have created and we have now taken from Adam and we've done our own in an ever-increasing growing stream of rebellion against the very nature of God and it's massive. Again, thinking back to Cain, the very first human ever to be born, what was his contribution to what his father had done? He committed murder. So that's, Adams, and then there's humanities, but what about our own? This is where it gets a little dicey, right? We're like, "Hmm, keep talking, Pastor. Let's get past this point quickly. (laughs) Not the bite of her fruit, and most likely not murder. But you and I, we've made our own fair share of contribution to the long line of sin and rebellion, haven't we? I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for you, okay? But if I were to one day be walking into a room and someone started like, hey, this filing cabinet, it's full of every single sin that you ever have done. How many of you know that'd be a big list? It'd be massive. If I had to sit down and literally look through every single time that I looked at God and I looked at his way, his rule and his authority, and then in that moment I looked at him and said, no thanks, I'll do it my way, I can't even imagine how long that list would be. I'm not even talking about the big sins. I'm talking about the little ones. Maybe it's a white lie to get out of something. Maybe it's a moment of comparison and jealousy or coveting where you're like, I can't believe that they have that. They don't even deserve that. I deserve that, right? No, none of us have ever done that. (laughs) If we think through that long list of our own contribution, It's massive. The many times that we have looked at God and said, I know what you say, I know what your word says, but I'd much rather do it my way. We bring our own contribution to the surface. We do so because we're human. I want you to consider for just a moment DNA. There's two different people that that are brought to the surface here, right? We have this, we've got, On this side, we've got the very first Adam. And then on this side, we've got Jesus. DNA is like, it's the marker of humanity. It's where you can trace your ancestry from. It's actually pretty cool. Like if there's like organizations now that you can submit your DNA to and they can be like, you're related to this seventh president of blah, 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 right? And they, they start searching your relatives and they're able to trace the different characteristics and the traits that come from this. And what we see is this is that's really interesting, is that when we look at Adam, every single human being that has ever been born traces their ancestry back to him. Their DNA connects back to Adam. All of us have um, certain characteristics, right? How many of you have ever looked at one of your kids and like, just as you're getting beyond frustrated, you realize that the thing you're most frustrated about them is the very thing that they're reflecting back to you that looks like you? Anybody else? 
Like the, the, the kid that most exasperates you is probably the one that's most like you, right? Because you're looking at them and like, don't you dare say that. And they look back at you and you're like, you said it yesterday. And you're like, <laughs> right? It's, that, it's, it's like looking into the mirror, but not in a good way. It's like looking in the mirror and you see that aspect of you that you're like, oh, I can't believe I let that out type of a thing. And what we see about this is that there are certain characteristics that are part of us. There's, or as like social, um, psychologists like to say, it, there's like the, the argument of nature versus nurture. What you were born with or that what you saw kind of growing up. And as humanity, there's certain aspect of us, our attitudes, our mannerisms, our culture, our sayings, our methods, our desires that we could have had inherited from our family line. Or maybe it's physical traits. Disease can be passed through family line. Brokenness, propensity to addiction. We find all these different things that can be traced through the line because we're tied to Adam and humanity. The result, though, is this, that because of that one man sin, Adam, you know, there's the DNA characteristics. There's, there's parts that reveal us, but then also because of that, every single one of us will one day die. That's the contribution of Adam. There's characteristics that are part of you. There's results. And all who are in Adam, all, death will come. And that's what Paul's leading to. But what's really interesting is, though, he doesn't just stop there. He says, well, let's take a look and let's compare the two. I like to call it heavenly DNA. For all who are in Christ, they are a new creation. The Bible talks about the fact that whenever the Holy Spirit becomes alive in us and as we start to grow in our relationship with him, that fruit is born in our lives. Instead of the DNA of shame and pain and sickness and disease and anger and hatred and propensity to addiction and all these other things, for those who find themselves in Christ, there's the heavenly DNA that suddenly love and joy, and peace, and patience start to fill their life because they're associating with the last Adam. There's the DNA characteristics of rebirth, a new attitude, a new character, new growth. As the Holy Spirit and sanctification take part in their lives, then suddenly there's also spiritual traits. How many of you ever looked at your kids and like you... Your kids that look exactly like you. You look back on pictures and you see them and you're just like, instantaneously, someone's like, I know they're your kids. They look, they've got your eyes, they've got your nose, they've got your ears, they've got whatever, right? I swear, all my kids, they pop out the same. The Johnson gene is strong. Like, and as soon as they come out, everyone's like, that's a Johnson, (laughs) right? They've got that DNA characteristic where they resemble their father and their mother. I like to say they resemble their father more, but... um, Can I tell you something? We should have some spiritual DNA characteristics where we start to reflect and resemble our Father. That if someone gets into our midst and they experience our attitude and our reaction and our character, there's almost like they kind of look like their Father. Right? But this is what I love. All who are born into Adam experience death. But all who are born into Jesus it's flipped, experience life. 
Paul is challenging us. He's wrestling with us and he's presenting us something. He's, he's showing us something. Paul is presenting a type. Read with me again from Romans chapter five, verse 14. This is what he says. Still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol. Other versions say a type or a representation. He's a representation of Christ who is yet to come. That word there is the word symbol. It's the Greek word typos, T-Y-P-O-S. It's where we get the word type from. It means it's an example, a print, a figure, um, a manner or form, something that is revealing something else. John Piper says it this way. So one way to see something better is to see it along line, alongside something that's like it, but that's different. And so what Paul's challenging you and me to do is he's saying, listen, I want you to look at both because Adam is a type. He's kind of like, but not really. He's saying, I want you to look at them so that you can get a picture of who Jesus really is and what Jesus really accomplished. Like it, but different. Well, you're comparing two things and you're contrasting them. I'll give you a quick example of this. Like to get you to compare something, like I, I, could, I could say something like this. I, w- I wanna talk to you about a car that I own, okay? This car, it's red, it uses gas, it has four wheels and it drives around. Instantly, you could be like, oh, he's talking about his truck that's sitting outside, I am not. I'm gonna talk to you about two red vehicles that I have. Both of them were a vehicle, both of them were red, both of them have four wheels, but my, were they different from each other? The first was my Honda Civic. You guys remember like your first car? This wasn't my first car, my first car I totaled hitting a police officer. So that's, that's a different story for a different day, okay. This was my Honda Civic, right? This was my college car, this is the car that I drove around, it had a cracked windshield, the trunk was broken, water would leak in through the back. So on a day like today, my whole back seat was like an ice block, okay? My driver's side door would not open at all. So I would have to enter from the passenger side, crawl over and get into the driver's side. And I did this as a youth pastor as I would drive kids to church and it was hilarious. I'd bring uh, Jesse and some of his friends and the girls would have to sit in the back seat and they would just shiver the whole way to church because they were sitting on ice. And I'm like, sorry, my back seat's frozen, <laughs> Right? Now I compare that to my truck, which has, it's an 04 and I love my truck. It's, it's got heated seats. Can I tell you something on days like today? You're just sitting there like, ah, right? It's completely different. They look the same, but there's a massive difference between the two. They're both red. They both have four wheels. But as you start to really look at both of them and you compare the difference, one dramatically stands out over the other. And that is what Paul is challenging us with, with Adam and Jesus. He's saying, I want you to look in and look closely to see the beauty of what you really have. Because when you place them next to each other and you start to spot the differences, they start to stand out. So let's take a look at this for just a second. Let's spot the differences. Interesting, Adam was born, what? Without what? Without sin. Jesus was born without sin. Suddenly, as we start to look at them in the beginning, we're kind of like, oh, they they look a little bit alike. But then as we start to examine their life and how they lived it out, we see this Adam at one point in time, 
was in a perfect relationship with God. I'm just going to abbreviate. Jesus was in a perfect relationship with God for all of eternity. It says this about Adam. It says that he and Eve would walk with God in the cool of the evening. I don't know about you, but that's a really cool picture. Can you imagine just walking like hand in hand with God, asking him anything that you wanted to know, just in perfect relationship with him? But the difference starts to change here. Very early in the creation story, what we see is that Adam was not tricked into taking a bite from a piece of fruit. Adam was tricked into going, no longer do I need to be God or be like God. I need to myself be God. And in doing so, he and Eve, they chose rebellion. They were rebels because of their disobedience. Have fun reading my handwriting. (laughs) But Jesus chose surrender and obedience. The result is dramatically different between the two. As you start to look at Adam, within just moments of his rebellion and his disobedience, the declaration is made that there must now be death Death that was no longer, that had never been in the world, suddenly entered in the world. And we see it even with the very first sacrifice. They tried to cover themselves. They tried to cover their shame. They tried to hide from God and they, they made fig leaves because suddenly what had been okay before, now they were ashamed of it. There are certain aspects of their personality that before they never hid from each other, but now suddenly they're hiding from themselves and from each other. There's fear, there's brokenness, there's shame and there's pain. And ultimately there's death. Because God looks at him and he says, listen, no fig leaves can cover you, only a sacrifice can. And so the very first sacrifice the world had ever seen took place and God took the skin of the animal and he covered Adam and Eve with it, a representation of what Christ would do. In the New Testament, Paul will say that we put on Christ like a cloak, that the sacrifice that he has made on our behalf, that we hide inside it. And so what we see is this, is that Adam, who was without sin, had been in perfect relationship, but then chose rebellion and then death entered the world, is different from Jesus because through his surrender and through his obedience, the flip side, life, any life eternal, life abundant entered. Paul's contrasting these two types to further reveal to us cause and effect. You and I know cause and effect really, really well. If you jump off of a high bridge, what happens? You fall. No one just magically floats higher, right? It's what happens. Cause and effects demonstrates the natural and determined outcomes. Whether it's losing weight or getting your finances in order or playing with lions, Right? I don't know. I was watching a YouTube video just the other day, and this this idiot, right, gets really close to a lion cage, and he's like, I'm just going to pet little little Sheila, right? And so he goes to pet the lion, and that thing just grabs a hold of his arm, and I'm like, idiot. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. I don't know a lot. I just know this. I'm not getting close to a lion cage. I don't know about you, but I'm watching from a distance. 
And if it gets out of its cage, I'm going to run faster than you. <laughs> right? Like that, that's what I know, right? But, but this is what we see is this, is that there's a cause and effect. There's a natural constant outcome that is known. So I want you to think through the cause and effect of the very first and the very last Adam. Read with me. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone. Why? For everyone sinned. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. What we see is this. Look, look, I want you to look at Adam with me real quick. His action was disobedience. The declaration was condemnation. And the outcome was death. But you look at Jesus. The action was obedience. The declaration was that all who are in Christ are justified before God. And the outcome is life eternal. When we think about the contribution of the last Adam, this is what we find. For the sin of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and life for everyone. And the question then we have naturally is how? How does this happen? And it's because Jesus became the opposite of the first Adam. Listen to me what John Piper has to say. He says, but the deepest problem is that behind all of our depravity and our guilt and our sinning, there's a deep and mysterious connection with Adam whose sin became our sin and whose judgment became our judgment. And the savior from this condition and this damage is one savior who stands in Adam's place as a kind of second Adam or last Adam. And in one great life and death of obedience, he undoes all that Adam had done. In Adam, all men were appointed sinners, but all who are in Christ, they are appointed as righteous. In Adam, all receive condemnation. In Christ, all receive justification. So the question then we naturally have again is how does that happen? And let me tell you how it happens. It's because Jesus chose obedience rather than rebellion. This is one of my favorite illustrations. I've used this often, but I think it applies perfectly here. There are certain things you cannot do. How many of you know that? You become more aware of that the older you get, right? Like there's things that I, I still think I can do. My wife goes, honey, you cannot. <laughs> there's times I'm like, I can make that jump without injury. And she's like, <laughs> She's like, you couldn't make that jump when you're 20, let alone close to 40. <laughs> there's things we can't do. I cannot fly. As a kid, I tried. We had a swing set in our backyard, and I remember watching one of those stupid cartoons that, like, you know, the person would wear, like, the, 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 um, the bed sheet is like a parachute. It does not work, okay? Um, I learned that quickly. Bed sheet didn't work. Now, you would think that I'd be smart enough to go, oh, that was a terrible idea. Let's stop there. No. I decided to try to create, like, plane wings, right? So the next chant was, like, I'm going to 
get the wings, jump off, still didn't work. I am physically unable to fly. You cannot flap your arms fast enough, but you put me in an airplane. And suddenly I can go 30,000 feet. Not because I have the ability, but because of what I am in. Listen to me. There's a good side and a bad side to this. All who are in Adam, which is all humanity for all time, every human ever born, we are in death. You're in your rebellion. You're in disobedience. You're in a lifestyle that says, I will play and be my own God. I will do what I want. I will get what I want. I will fight for what I want. I want to play God of my life. And the end result of that disobedience will always be brokenness and shame and pain and destruction. You think about what this world has seen that has been caused by humanity. It's come from those moments where we said, I'll play God. And the end result is always death. But this is what I love. But if I'm in Christ. Again, I can't fly, but you put me inside an airplane and I can go anywhere in this world. I can do what's impossible for me because of what I am in. The same is true for all. All who will place their faith in Christ, all who will put their trust in him, the one who lived the perfect life that we could not do, we inherit what he deserves. This is what I love about the gospel. The gospel is good news. It's not good news. Listen, this is not the gospel. Maybe you've been sold on a bill of goods. The gospel is not, hey, show up to church, read your Bible, live a perfect life, get, become a really, really good person. And then on that judgment day, God's gonna look at you and go, oh, you were so good, come into glory. Because guess what? You're not. That's like a murderer going before a judge and going, you know what? I took the garbage out every single week. I took it right to the curb so it was easy for them to get. I helped nice old ladies cross the street. Like I was a really good guy. Other than that one time I committed murder and then the judge going, oh, that's really great. So you can go free. That'd be a bad judge. Your good cannot outweigh your bad. Cannot. The gospel is not that you can earn heaven. The gospel is not that you deserve heaven. The gospel is not that by any ability of you growing and becoming a better and better and better and better and better person that one day God's gonna look at you and go, oh, I'm so proud of you. The gospel is that on that day when I stand before judgment, I will look at God the Father and I'll say, I do not deserve to be here, but I'm in Christ. And he will look at me and he will say, come, come into my presence. Because you see, he won't be looking at my past. He'll be looking at Jesus, who I am in. And he must on that day declare of me what he would declare of Jesus because I'm in Christ. And what he declares of Jesus is, he goes, this is my son without sin, who's in perfect relationship, who surrendered and who obeyed. And everything that is declared of Christ on that day will be declared of me on that day because I am in Christ. That's the gospel. That though I was born into the family of Adam, by faith I was reborn into the family of Jesus.
And that because I am in Christ, I have a new DNA. I have new desires that long to serve Jesus, that long to be more like him. This is God, take my life, change it, shape it, mold it for you. That because of that, I, and I surrender to his lordship and to the fact that he lived and died on my behalf, that I receive what he deserves. Listen to me. Jesus chose obedience rather than rebellion. In fact, Philippians 2.8 says that he was obedient even unto death. He lived and he died in obedience so that all who live and die in him will receive what he deserved, not what they deserved. Jesus paid the way. Can I tell you something? The, the problem with our culture right now is that many are trying to pay their way into heaven with counterfeit currency. Imagine you showed up to Lucas Oil Stadium to go to a Colts game and you go to pay your ticket and you hand them Monopoly money. <laughs> like seriously, I mean, imagine you're at the, you're at the ticket gate and you're like, they're like $80 for a ticket and you're like, okay, let me throw some 20s down and you're whipping out your Monopoly money. The first of all, the person's gonna laugh at you and then you're gonna get absolutely no entrance at all whatsoever. Because your currency has no value. It's worthless. And why is it worthless? It has the wrong image on it. Imagine going to the store and trying to buy something with counterfeit money, counterfeit currency. You cannot enter. Please hear me. You cannot enter through your own good works, your own goodness. You can't enter with the faith, the life, the deeds of another person, your family, your, your parents. You cannot enter through another faith or religion or karma. You will enter on whoever's contribution you're relying on, your father Adam or your King Jesus. Who will you enter through? See, whenever you open up your wallet and you pull out that currency, there, there's an image on it, isn't there? Now, there's different values based on whose image it is, right? You're like, I want Benjamin's image on mine, right? <laughs> right? But the image on it declares the value. The image reveals what you can do with it. I want to enter into heaven with the currency of Jesus. I want his image so stamped and marked on my life that whenever people look in at my life and how I react, my attitude, my thoughts, how I speak to them, how I, that they look and they go, that doesn't look like Josh. I know him. <laughs> that looks like something else. I want to so inherit their life that Jesus has for me that I live it out. That when people see me, that they go, oh, he's been in the presence of Jesus. He's been shaped, he's been molded by him. I, I want my life to not just eternally be in Christ, but to today be in Christ. That as I'm living abundantly, not just in heaven for eternity, but I'm living out who I am in Christ even in this moment. See, Jesus was perfect obedience. He lived in perfect obedience so that everyone who is a rebel could enter in through his righteousness and not of their own. All can enter into a relationship with Christ through Jesus. All who are born to the nature and character of Adam can be reborn into the nature and the character of Christ. Can I tell you something that 
our obedience and track record holds no value to save. We are trying, if we do so, to enter through Adam whenever we can only enter through Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to take a moment today as we bring this to a close. to challenge each and every one of us just simply to ask this who are you relying on now hear me carefully are you relying on your good works are you relying on what you can do what you have done are you relying on your past are you relying on anything that you feel like you can do See, this, this is the problem a lot of times with like American Christianity. We try to base our spirituality off of like metrics that don't matter. I, I've, known, I've known people that they've attended church almost their whole life, but they've not surrendered to King Jesus. When you get to heaven one day, Jesus isn't gonna be there with like a tally mark going, okay, well, you came to church about 75% of time, so you, you squeaked in. Church attendance is important, don't get me wrong, but it's not important to your salvation. It's important to your spiritual growth. He's not going to look at you and go, well, you read the Bible at least 17 times. Do you know that the Pharisees had the Bible, like large sections of it, completely memorized, and they will spend eternity in hell? Because their heart was unmoved. Their worship was mere lip service. So maybe you're here today, maybe you've been in church your entire life. But if you really are today looking at your heart, you're going, you know what, I have have really trusted in Adam. I've based it off of my good works, off of my deeds, what I can do, what I can accomplish. I've tried to be God. I've tried to be Savior today, can I just tell you that the Holy Spirit is here and he's whispering, my son, my daughter, trust in my son. Every single one of us in this room, there's no one perfect. That person next to you is just as guilty as you are. Every person in this room, we stand before God going guilty, me. Your pastor stands before God going guilty. I've made countless sins my whole life. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We need the last Adam, the one who came, who stood in our place, who took on flesh and bone, the one who was without sin, the one who was in perfect relationship with God, the one who chose surrender and obedience to his will and his plan, and the one who now stands before you saying, my offer to you is life and life to the fullest or abundantly or what true life really looks like. The question is simply, will we take him up on his offer? If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want to miss an opportunity this morning. It's Christmas. We're here to celebrate the risen king. And maybe today, you've never placed your faith in Jesus. 
You've never surrendered and said, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. God, I, I want you to shape me and mold me and make me more like you. And you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I, I want that to be true of me. I want my life to be surrendered to the King. I want my life to be shaped and molded to look more like Jesus so that when I stand before God on that day, I won't be saying, God, look at all the good works I've done. Instead, I'll be saying, God, you can allow me in because I come in through your son and in him alone. I am hidden in Christ. And because, there's, because of that, there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if that's you and you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I want to place my faith and my trust in him. I want to give you a chance to move from death to life. So if that's you, would you just lift your hand in the air? Anyone at all? Don't want to miss this moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Can we all pray this prayer out loud together? You'll, if you've been around here, you'll hear me say this all the time. There's, there's no mystical formula to this. There's no, it's not like an incantation. This prayer does not save you. What's going on at your heart is what saves you. You could say these words, but if you don't mean them in your heart, it does absolutely nothing. But if you're here today and you say, no, 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 I want this to be true of me, can I tell you something? You are born into the kingdom of God. So would you join, will you just repeat after me? Father, I come before you. I am a sinner just like Adam. I know that I deserve death. But you offer me life. Today, King Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I ask for your obedience and perfection to be inherited by me. Not because I'm good, but because I'm in Christ. I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to change me and make me more like Jesus. Jesus, I thank you because today I have life. Church, will you celebrate with me as many came to know Jesus today? Listen to me. Whether you raised your hand or you didn't, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, listen to me, something happened today. You moved from death to life. And on that day, despite your past, <laughs> and if yours is anything like mine, it's a long one. When you stand before the King of Kings, he will look at you and say, enter because you bear my son. Heaven itself just rejoiced as you were brought into the kingdom. That's what scripture says. It says that the angels themselves were rejoicing in heaven as you made that decision. 
And if you did today, I just want to encourage you to do just one thing. Before you leave, on the back of the chair, somewhere near in front of you, there's a little QR code. If you would scan it, there's a little spot there that just, it'll take you to a link tree. Click where it says next steps. Just let us know so that we can be praying with you. We want to rejoice with you. We want to be praying with you as you are beginning and continuing this journey with Christ. And um, I want to pray over each and every one of you before I dismiss you today. Thank you for coming. Um, I hope you can be with us on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. We've got a one-hour service. Haley will tell you a little bit more about that. But um, thank you for coming. And I pray that you would have a very, very Merry Christmas. And if you made that decision today, can I tell someone, a friend, a neighbor, someone, let them rejoice with you in what Christ has done. Father, we come before you. Jesus, we thank you that though, Lord, we deserve death because we are not just descendants of Adam. God, we have carried on his decision in our own life. Today, Lord, we rejoice that we have life and life to the full in you, our King Jesus. Father, we pray that in this place and in this space, you would change us. Jesus, would you make us more like you? Would you shape us? Would you mold us in further into the image of your son? God, we love you. And we, we, we pray, will you continue to make us more like you? We ask all this in your son's mighty and most holy name we pray. Amen.